a few years back, I got to go to Disney World with my family for the first time. You've got to understand the excitement around your first Disney World trip. It was when Frozen was at its peak and everyone was singing Let It Go. You understand? And so when you have a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old and you're going to Disney during the peak of Frozen, it's serious. So we fly down there. We get there. We set up. We take the bus. The anticipation is building. I mean, the crowd's just ready to go wild. We go through the metal detectors. We get to the entrance of the Magic Kingdom. And the kids almost looked like they didn't want to speak. They were just like, it's going to be crazy. Like, weeks before, I was just telling them, you don't understand Disney World. We're watching YouTube videos of, like, the Haunted Mansion, like, the different rides. I mean, it was about to get rowdy in here. We were about to end the Disney World. Little did we know that right when we walked through the entrance of the Magic Kingdom, there was the Disney parade going on at the same time, and the kids' senses just were overwhelmed. They're like, what is going on? I just grabbed Kara, threw her on my shoulders, Talia came running, we all went up to the street, right when Elsa and Anna were coming around the corner, and the crowd went wild. They didn't know, and people just, ah, yeah. It was unbelievable excitement, people waving stuff, cheering, There was just so much joy, and me and Natalie had a moment as a husband and wife where we saw the joy of our children, and it brought us so much joy ourselves. Every parent knows how that feels. In Mark 10, 15, it says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. In the same way they were going wild, over their favorite stories and characters and the stories they love, which kids should do. We, as children of God, children of God, should have hearts like a child, that the gospel should make us jump, the gospel should make us cheer, the gospel should make us shout, the gospel should make us clap, the gospel should make us tell somebody. We should be so fired up about what Jesus has done for us. Amen? It's the most important thing in all of the cosmos, in all the creation to celebrate, is what Jesus has done. And you know what? Everyone excited about heaven? Guess what they're going to be doing in heaven? Celebrating Jesus. That is the most important thing to celebrate. It's the biggest victory. And I know you guys have it in you because I see how you react to Patriots wins. I see how you react to opening day for the Sox. Listen, I don't mind cheering for sports, but nothing gets me madder in my house when I see people cheering for a pigskin more than the cross. It drives me wild. I'm just pacing my house. Can't take it. And I'm a sports fan. But our affections, our joy, our shouts, our prayers, our worship should be most for the King of Kings. Our hearts should be overflowing every single day because of what Jesus has done for us. And I want to ask you today, is the victory of the gospel obtained by and through Jesus Christ what you celebrate the most in your life? Do your actions reflect a celebratory lifestyle rooted in the victory of the gospel? 
When people talk to you, what are you most happy about? Is it Jesus? Is it what he has done? That was a serious hiccup right there, Paxton. That was serious. I thought it was an amen, I think. Is that what makes, puts fire in your bones? Is that what wakes you up in the morning? Is that what you're so excited to tell somebody about? Is that what makes you cry in the car when you think about where Jesus has brought you from? Are you like David saying, I can't wait to get into the house of God so I can proclaim his good deeds in the sanctuary of the Most High? Does that run through your veins? Or have other lesser affections taken away from the glory of your Savior? Today, you know what the beauty of our faith is? His mercies are renewed every morning, and we can celebrate him with fullness of heart today with no condemnation of not celebrating him yesterday. Amen? I want to get you riled up today. Because it's Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is all about victory of the King of Kings. And so if you turn with me to John 12, 12 through 19. says the next day the large crowd that had come to feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him crying out Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord even the king of Israel and Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it just as it is written fear not daughter of Zion behold your king is coming sitting on a donkey's coat. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him (coughs) and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gathering Gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. I want you to understand Palm Sunday today. I want you to understand why we're giving out those little palms. Donna made about 522 crosses out of those palms. Please take home one, one home with you. But why they were even gathered there, why they were shouting what they were shouting, and what kind of king Jesus was. Why do we do what we do? Why are we here? Why do we celebrate Palm Sunday? What is it all about? It's important to know these things because these are the things that stir your affections as a follower of Jesus Christ. So first and foremost, why was the crowd there? Why were they gathered that day lined in the streets? Let's talk about the buildup because to get any crowd, there's got to be a buildup. There's got to be a reason why that crowd's gathering. God was among them. God was preaching to them. God was preaching the Son of God, Jesus, in parables that were shaking men's hearts. He was preaching with an authority and a compassion that had never been before. He was the greatest preacher ever to walk the earth. Either you loved him or you hated him, but you felt something about his message. And people will start to ask themselves, 
Could this be the Messiah? Could this really be the Son of God? Could this be the chosen one? He was making the blind see. Imagine the power of that. Preaching a message. There's a blind man in the crowd and all of a sudden he sees. Preaching a message that a deaf man can't hear and all of a sudden he makes him hear the very words he's preaching of the kingdom of peace. The crippled. Parents who had crippled children their whole life. He's saying get up and walk. And they're walking. People who are possessed by demonic spirits. Tormented, living in graveyards, cutting themselves, possessed by demonic spirits. He's saying, be gone, and they're gone. Never before had the kingdom of God been ushered in like this. Where he actually had authority to speak to fallen angels who possessed men and women, and they were gone, and those people were at total peace. Do you guys hear the power of this? Do you see the buildup? When you went to hear Jesus, it shook your life. And the buildup was happening. And he's doing these many signs and wonders and miracles and all these kinds of things. But then he does something that tips the scale. And that's what the crowd, why the crowd is there today. He raises his friend from the dead. Okay, I see you healing the blind. Okay, I see you casting out demonic spirits. Okay, we see the cripple walking. That's amazing. We're asking ourselves some questions. But then his friend passed away. He died. He's in the tomb for four days. And you know what the Son of God said? Never stop being amazed by Jesus. He said, where's he at? People are like, what do you mean? He's been dead four days. Bring me to him. See, they didn't know who was among them. Bring me to him. And he wept. You see the heart of Christ weeping for the brokenness of this world that his friend died. In his humanity, he weeps. And he walks up to that tomb. People are taking the tomb away. Imagine the people you had to take the tomb away. Like, what is going down right here? Get that tomb out of there. Take the door off. It's about to get serious up in here. And he prays to God. And if you would turn there, I just want you to hear this prayer. If you turn to John eleven forty one to 42 with me, as you hear the words of Jesus, because this is the sign that tipped the scale. There's Bibles in your pews. Don't be like Mike. He was trying to read out of a hymnal. I said, look at a certain voice. He pulled out the hymnal next to the pastor. I said, I see you, brother. It says, so they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around the witnesses. They, they might believe that you sent me. And he looks at that tomb and says, Lazarus, come out. Now, what did he pray? Father, do this. I know you hear me. I wouldn't even be praying out loud, but I want people to know that this is a sign that I say I am who I am. And he cries out to Lazarus, said, Lazarus, come out. He's speaking to death. You're done. And Lazarus, rotten, wrapped in linens, smelling, four days, he thought he's done. He walks out of that tomb. Everyone witnesses it. He's alive. 
Jesus has raised someone from the dead, and the crowd officially says, it's a done deal. He's the king of kings. He's the Messiah. There's no more question. He's raising people from the dead. Do you guys hear this? This is real history, real God, real Savior, real Messiah. That's why Jesus changed the world, because he did these things. And that's why the crowd was there today. Because those people, like you see in the text there, they were witnesses of the resurrection of Lazarus. And they went to welcome the king of kings with palm branches and shouts of Hosanna because in their eyes, it was done. He had raised from someone from the dead. He was who he says he was. Now, it's important when crowds gather, when they yell certain things, that you know why they're yelling that thing. Why are they yelling that? What does that mean? What, do you remember when Pedro Martinez did one of the most un-Bostonian things you'll ever do in your life. He gave up 13 runs to the Yankees. No, I don't know. It was like 252 runs in 13 innings. He had like a nine-point-something ERA in two games. And he got in that interview, and he said one of the most foolish things. God will forgive him. He said, the Yankees are my daddy. It doesn't even feel right saying it. When he said it, all of Boston said, no, Pedro, no. Then every Yankee Sox game, when Pedro came out to the mound, what did they yell? Who's your daddy? And you just wanted to die and say, Pedro, no, Pedro, no. The reason I share that is everyone knows the history of why they yelled, who's your daddy? We know why they shout that. We know why they're chanting that. How much more important that we know why they're yelling Hosanna in the streets, Amen. If someone asks you why they're all Hosanna, but I don't know, they sing at church. I love the songs, one of the hits. When Mike does that riff, <laughs> right? Oh, there's a lot of pressure. They're singing that today. I just put some, sorry for the pressure. Mike, that's two today. You know I love you. There's only grace. We're buddies. But we need to know why are they shouting Hosanna in the streets? Because they're shouting Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And I want to take you a little history because this is going to make the whole experience of Palm Sunday and the gospel richer to you and stir, stir your affections for Jesus. So Hosanna in Hebrew was only used once in the Old Testament in Psalm 118.25. And David uses it in that psalm to say, save me, O Lord. So it's save me, O Lord. It's like if someone threw you out of a boat and you couldn't swim, right? And you're just like, there's trouble in paradise. Save me. Someone save me. It's a cry of desperation. What had happened over the years by the time of Jesus in the Hebrew language, Hosanna had come to mean, <coughs> excuse me, salvation, salvation, salvation has come. So it went from a cry for salvation to a cry of salvation. A cry for help to I've already been helped. For instance, I grew up in a large family as far as aunts and uncles. <clears throat> Spent the first year of my life in the Cambridge Projects. You know what field trips are like when you have 10 aunts and uncles, everyone's having kids, and you're going to the beach? <clears throat> cars are just pulling up, and people are just jumping in cars. There's no organization. There's no counting heads. It's just like we're going to the beach. It's 30, 40 deep. I don't even know if that day we were going to the beach, a local beach. I don't know if I even had a shirt or sandals on. I just had shorts. I think I just jumped in a car like we're going to the beach. No one's checking. 
we get to this beach, and once again, parents aren't matched up with kids. Everyone's just in miscellaneous cars, running deep to the beach. No one's watching. Hey, there's no supervision. It's like I gave birth to you. You got mega dog. The door opened at the beach. I just ran. I just said, there's a beach. There's no supervision. I got shorts on. I just started running. And there was a dock, a beautiful dock. I jumped on that dock, and I was just all freedom. You know when you're four or five and there's not a trouble in the world? Life is just good. A beach day is the best day of your life. I started bombing down this dock. Took a nice jump off the end. <laughs> Mid-air, that's what four and five-year-olds do, do. I realized I couldn't swim. It was a freedom jump. I was like at the beach. I hit that water, went under, and said, there's trouble in paradise. Now, there's no supervision. No one knows I'm in the water. No one even knows I left the car. And I was just like, this is it. In my little four-year-old mind, I was like, that's it. (laughs) This is how I'm going down. I'm telling you to this day, one of the most vivid images in my mind. Baywatch style, this woman dove in with that orange buoy thing and just came through the water. She took a turn in the water. And I was like, she's going to save me, right? She swam over to me. She got me out of that water. She threw me up on the dock. And you know what I cried out? Thank you for saving me. I was telling everyone the dog, I'm saved. I almost drowned. I'm saved. I almost drowned. Run up to my family. They didn't even care. They were setting up the picnic. I was like almost drowned. They're like, good, good, go play, kid. Go swim. I'm telling you. But I went from a cry of help, I'm done, to on the dock run the beaches. Salvation has come. I'm rescued. It's done. I was going to die. Now I'm alive. That's what's happening in the streets. You guys hear that? They're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Salvation, salvation, salvation has come. The king is here. The Messiah is here. He's here to save us. He's going to subdue all his enemies. He's the conqueror. We're saved. We've been waiting for thousands of years, and it's done. It's finished. They're going wild. No amen? Come on. You all felt it. We've got to grow. They're just going wild. And why are they holding palm branches? Why do we do that? Since we were young, when we went to church on Palm Sunday, we loved that the palms are there. Because palms are a sign and an emblem of victory. If you look at Revelation 7, 9, and 10, it said all tribes, tongues, and nations were standing before the throne of God, crying out that he's king and he's almighty. And what are they holding in their hands as signs of victory? Palm branches. So those palms you have today, that's a sign that Jesus has been victorious, that he is the king of kings. That's why I'm saying this is the day of celebration. Those palms mean Jesus is victorious. What kind of king? What kind of king was this? When you really meditate on the kind of king Jesus is, he's nothing like the kings of this world. And I keep coming back to that. You know, in our sinful nation, uh, sinful nation, wow, am I being prophetic? In our sinful uh, nature, we want our kings to be dominant. We want our kings to sometimes even walk the line of being tyrants. And many times we want them to be violent and we want them to crush in worldly and fleshly ways. 
this king wasn't coming for that kind of victory. This king was coming to crush evil, Satan, and death with using no violence, only love, only peace. The prince of peace, the king of peace, he rides in on a donkey. Now, everything Jesus did to the vehicle he rode in on, there's significance to that. Back in those days when rabbis, priests, when they came to town, it mattered what they were riding. And if they saw you coming and coming towards town on a donkey, they knew you were a man of peace. That was a sign that you were a person of peace. So him coming in on that donkey, they're crying out victory. He's saying, I am a king of peace. I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't have rode in on a donkey like a grizzly with a helmet. I would have bucked him. That's the flesh, right? I'm coming in on a white tiger or something, a donkey? Go get me a donkey. No, get me a better vehicle. But I'm in the flesh. I'm in the flesh when I think those things. He's coming to bring a new kingdom, usher in a new kingdom, a kingdom of peace. And every single thing he do was sent, uh, does and did is sending the message that he's a different kind of king, the kind of king that will lay down his life for his people. What's unbelievable about the nature of man, unbelievable about these stories is the same people, some of the same people, who are crying out Hosanna on this day will be crying out crucify him a week later because men are fickle. We are fickle. But he's saying, I'm here as the king of kings to lay down my life. To lay down my life. That should still shake us to the core that the son of God was born as a virgin, fully God, fully man, went through life being tempted, being ridiculed and rejected. You know, I tried to watch The Passion with my kids and my wife the other night. We made it through the first half of the movie, and it began to skip in the middle, and I think it was God's sovereignty because I don't think the kids were ready for the second half. But when you're watching even an artistic expression of the gospel, and you see those men slapping Jesus, you're like, this is the Almighty. They have no idea who they're slapping and spitting on and ridiculing and running a crown of thorns through his head. They have no idea, but this is how he got the victory for you and me. Because our sin is that severe. We are not light sinners. There are no light sinners in here. Every lash, the rejection, the ridicule, he could, was unrecognizable from the beating he took. But that's how the king of king got the victory. And that's why we celebrate, amen? That's why we celebrate. Because that's our king, the king of peace. Now some might ask, what do you mean he ushered in peace? What about the missile strikes in Syria? What about the terrorist attacks in Sweden? And what about that church in Egypt today that 26 people died on Palm Sunday? How did he usher in peace? The kingdom of God, Jesus said. It's a peace that passes understanding. It's overcome this world. For example, if you're trying to make your paradise here, you're not going to be at peace. Because you cannot make paradise in a broken world. 
So some of us are never at peace because we're always trying to gather more things and do more things to make this place our paradise. And Jesus said, this place is not your paradise. I go to prepare your paradise. So that's not how you get peace. That's how you lose rewards and you're ineffective in the kingdom of God getting caught up in this world. You lose peace that way. You gain peace by knowing that Jesus has overcome the world and gives you peace even through the storms. And one day he will live, rule, and reign in the new heavens and new earth where he will be the ultimate king and death evil Satan will be crushed forever. Do you guys hear me? It's a peace that's rooted in faith. It's a peace that says, listen, everything's going wrong around me, but Christ has forgiven me. Christ loves me. I'm a child, and I can have peace even in a storm. That You know that God puts his children in the storms so that they demonstrate peace, so that they are lights and they bring glory to the Father in heaven? Do you guys hear me? Peace is not everything is going right, because it never does. If we have a picture of peace, we're, we're in a Hawaii shirt, slightly open, pina colada. Someone's playing a ukulele in the ocean's just right. When did that happen? No, peace is you're on the beach. It's over forecast. No one showed up. It's freezing. But somehow you're just like, God is good. That's real peace. That's kind of peace that this king brought. That we have a peace because our Savior has overcome the world. There's a peace because the kingdom of God is within. That I can sit in this life and say, listen, my God loves me. He has a plan for my life. He has a plan for my church's life. He has a plan for all his people's lives. And I'm going to live for his glory. And I'm going to lay down my life and have peace doing it here on earth. Because I know the future glories are going to far surpass any suffering on this part. Does that make sense, guys? That's a different kind of peace. That's kind of peace Jesus offers. See, many gospels say, listen, if you do this, you'll get your peace now. Get these material things, do this and that. But we get Jesus, we have that peace, we go through the brokenness, we have joy through it all, and one day he will make all things new. That's the kind of peace that you have to have as a follower of Jesus. That's the kind of peace he ushered in. That's why he could say to his disciples, peace be with you. Peace be with you. I've overcome the world. They're going to take your life, but peace be with you. It's for a purpose. Peace be with you. Your family's going to be broken up. Peace be with you. You might even go through times where you don't have that money. Peace be with you. I've overcome this world. You might even go through some of the worst things in your life, but I'm telling you, all things work together for good for those who love them, and every single thing will be brought to justice. I think that bothers some people when it comes to peace. You say, how are these people getting away from it? with this how are they killing all these people how are they getting away with this how are they slaughtering let me tell you they're not getting away with it because one day god will make all things right and judge all evil acts amen because that brings peace too i want everyone to come to salvation but i'll tell you there's part of you when you read all through the psalms when there's evil done in this world you want jesus the king of king to come and bring justice for the oppressed and finally There's a peace that can only come through putting your faith in Jesus. In our culture, some of us think because we attend church, that means we're good. Some people in here are not saved. Some of us have not been born again. What we've had is a form of godliness that has not truly changed us. And we're not at peace because we have not surrendered our life to Jesus. 
Some of us are not at peace because we're still hostile to God because we have not surrendered ourselves to Jesus. It says before Jesus makes us born again, that we're enemies with God. That we're at enmity with him. So how can we be at peace? But I have good news for you today. Fantastic news for you today. The reason the king of kings died is so you can surrender your life to him, put your faith in him, repent of your sins, and walk in the newness of life. Amen? Let today be the day. If you've been playing church or you've been playing Christian, it doesn't matter what the bottle says. It's what's on the inside. Allow today to be the day that your heart pours out to Jesus and you bow the knees of your heart and maybe even the knees of your body and say, Jesus, forgive me. I've been playing church. I've been playing Christian. I'm following you with everything I have. I'm not looking back. I'm looking forward. I'm looking ahead because a man who looks back is not worthy of the kingdom of God. I'm going to fault Jesus with everything I am and he's going to be my treasure. Amen? Please, I urge you in love, let today be the day of your salvation. Don't let another day go. Because that's the best decision you'll ever make. Some of you are afraid because you think God's going to take away all your good times. No, he's going to give you the good times. Some think, oh, he's going to take away all the fun things. No, he's going to bring you things that really bring peace and joy. The things you were made for, to revel in the glory of God and worship God. That's what he has for all of those who walk in him. I was going to say give me an amen, but I think I'm past my amount of, I can ask for amens. So Restoration Road, in closing, let every day of your life be a demonstration, even today, of the victory of Jesus. When we sing, we got to get this, and I want to preach on this in a few weeks. When we start singing, rowdy, he's worth it. Those people you fear, and maybe you're not singing in key, 90% you aren't. Sing with all your heart, because that's why God gave you vocal cords. He gave you vocal cords to sing his praises. Will you sing? Can we fill this place with song today and every day? Because he's done so much, it won't hurt nobody. If you gave out a hallelujah, a glory be, a woo-hoo, a grace, grace, or an amen. It's scriptural. I'll preach on it in a few weeks. Sometimes we clap our hands. What the sound today? Because our bodies can't even contain the joy we feel for Jesus. So it overflows and somebody's got to clap. We take communion. What does it say? Communion is a celebration. Celebrate Jesus' death until he comes. It's all a celebration. We give as an act of worship. I celebrate. God allows me to make money. God gave me a job. He gives me food every day. He gives me water. I'm going to bless him in an act of worship by giving to his work. And finally, we're so excited that you've got to tell somebody. When you're excited about things, you can't stop telling people. When you guys like a Netflix show, I can't hear the end of it. You saw it? Episode 7. You're excited about things. You just overflow and tell people. Why not tell people about the most important thing you're excited about Jesus and why? So let's celebrate Restoration Road. Because our king has the victory and obtained the victory through the cross. Let's pray.